Brie Welch is an actress and photographer who has studied and performed in London, New York City, and Walt Disney World. She's performed in venues across Utah, including Hill Center Theater, The Grand, The Ellen Eccles, Centerpoint Legacy Theater, and The Salt Palace. Brie studied vocal performance for over 15 years and is the owner and photographer at Pepper Fox Photo, where she takes rad headshots and modern branding photos. She is the mommy to three incredible humans. Late last night, I was on Instagram and a post from Brie about putting goodness into the performing community rather than the toxicity she was seeing really struck me. And the stars all aligned so that 13 hours later, we were able to sit down and talk all about this. I was so uplifted by the things Brie shared with me, and I hope you leave this interview feeling the same way too. Okay, Brie, I'm so thrilled to have you on here today. This was just, it feels like it was completely meant to be. It does. And yeah, I saw you posting last night about maybe reviving a podcast, which yes. I didn't even know you had a podcast. I so did have a podcast. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, let's start with that. Let's start with yeah. what your podcast was about and why you decided to start podcasting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm a photographer in Utah and I work with a ton of actors. Like I do headshots. And so I do lots of like artists and people in the theater community, people in the film community, the podcast became this way for me to share all of these conversations that I had with these incredible people, these incredible artists that when I was taking photos of them, I was like, you have the coolest stories. And I was like, I would love to be able to share that with people because I have so many aspiring artists coming to me just starting out. And it would be so cool to be able to like get your expertise and whatnot was a better way than just actually letting them speak. And so I started the podcast just as a way to like interview all my fellow artists that came to me for photo sessions. And I'd already made that connection with, and then it kind of morphed into my own personal thoughts and just trying to spread an abundant mindset in the artist community, because it it can feel really lonesome sometimes and competitive sometimes. And I just, I realized with photography, especially in that aspect of my life, that there's so many people that can, you know, pick up a camera. This is a very Utah thing, right? You pick up a camera this, and it's like, oh, I'm a photographer now, right? And I realized that through photography, there there's no one that can take a picture the same way that you do as artists, as actors going out for these parts and always being on the auditioning side of things. It can be very hard and frustrating that it was like, Hey, there is enough for all of us. And even though these things can seem very isolating, we're all in this together. And there's a reason why we all love this medium and this, this artistic form. And like, let's get back to to the the purest form of theater. Anyway, so that's oh, where I love the podcast that. started. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying too about that abundance mindset because I feel like my business completely took a shift for the better when I embraced that and learned about that from Stephen Covey's book. So I am a huge fan of that as well. And, yes. and I can imagine how that would be so applicable in the arts and in yeah. theater and and in photography too, for that matter. Yeah. I mean like you said, there are so many photographers in Utah. And that's how we met. You were yes. photographing for my mom's cookbook, which I'm yep. super excited to have that come out soon. I know. I can't wait to see it. 
that, so tell me where you got the interest in photography specifically. Yeah. So I started photography back in college, very like amateur mm-hmm. <laughs> version of that. But I went to Weaver State for musical theater. I knew a lot of people who needed headshots. And so I was like, oh, I've got a camera. This is how it all starts, right? I've got a camera. I can do that. So I started taking headshots of people. I really loved portraiture. I moved away to Florida for a couple of years, worked at Disney World. And I had a friend out there who had started her own photography business. And I remember picking her brain about it at one point. You know, I'd graduated from college and I had kind of had photography in the back of my head, but I knew musical theater was more my passion. And anyway, I just said, how did you figure this out? Like, did you get a degree in this? And she was like, no, I picked up a camera. I YouTube some stuff and I just have an eye for it. I just have a knack for it. But when moving back to Utah, I was working on finding a job and I'd had a baby by that point. And so I was like, oh man, this is like, I'd kind of gotten that in that scarcity mindset of just like, no, I just got to find a job. I just got to pay my bills. I kept having people asking me, hey, do you still do headshots? And I was like, no, I'm looking for a job. (laughs) And actually what happened is I went to the Hilcomora pageant. Me and my husband performed in the Hilcomora pageant. It would have been seven years ago. I had a I had just been like kind of marinating on this. Like, why are all these people asking me this? Like, that's so random. Like, I don't do photography. I'm not, that's not me. I got, I graduated as a, as a actor. That's my life. I had a friend out there who I became close with. We were in a scene and he uh, heard about kind of like my struggles with thinking about photography a little bit. And he goes, well, Hey, do you need a camera? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I do. And he was like, yeah. I have a bunch of equipment that I would love to send to you for free. And what? I was like, what? I was like, that's, uh, yes, I would love that. Are you sure? Can I pay you for it? And he was like, no, it's something I used to do. I don't do it anymore. I haven't touched it in years. And I would love for it to go to someone who is like actually going to use it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So I got home and a couple weeks later, I got this huge package with lenses that were all wrapped up and a camera body. And I mean, it must've been now that I know the photography world, it must've been like $1,500, $2,000 worth of stuff. Anyway, that was kind of my green light was my sign of like, you, you need to do this. And I remember like the moment when me and my husband kind of said, okay, I think we're doing this. And I stayed up till like 3 a.m. drawing out a logo and writing out things and was like, hey, let's go. From that point, I started taking as many photos as I could. I started with families and weddings because it was Utah and that's what you take photos of, right? Yeah. And I kind of thought, well, headshots are like the easy thing. Anyone can do a headshot. So that I'll offer that as well. But like I kind of became the Walmart of all photography and was like, <laughs> I'll offer it all. I'll do whatever. Anything um, and everything. You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what I loved at that point. So it made sense. But after a couple of years, it really started to wear on me. And I had this like really, and it's again, it goes back to that scarcity mentality of I have to offer everything because there's there's not enough. I have to make sure mm-hmm. I am I'm open to it all so that I can catch all these things that are coming my way. And business was going okay. It was it was steady, but me and my husband both had other other endeavors we were doing. About 2 years in, I realized that I had so much anxiety from family photos and from from weddings especially and um, <laughs> you can't just, you can't be like, "Hey, let's do that again." No. Can you oh, just <laughs> It's terrifying. And there yeah. are some people who are so good at it. And I remember feeling like every time I went into a headshot session, I felt at home. And I was like, oh, mm. oh, good. I just have a headshot session today. This is so great. 
And I started realizing that not everyone can do headshots. So I started weeding it out and I started just saying no to everything. And I was like, I'm only going to do headshots. And I just thought people are not even going to take me seriously because who does that? Who is like just taking pictures of people's heads? I don't know. And it (laughs) was so crazy because it just blew up from there. It was like, because I had really focused on my niche, all of a sudden Mm. it was like, oh, you need headshots, go to her. It wasn't like, uh, oh, I have this friend who does photography. I I think she could do your headshot maybe. (laughs) But she does a lot of other things too. So Yeah. yeah. So it became like really special and really important because again, I didn't know anyone who did headshots specifically. And I yeah. thought that was a negative, but it really was a strength because I didn't know totally. there is not a lot of people who do what I do. That was my long journey. <laughs> I love it. And this is a great lesson for anyone listening to this who has any type of business that the more you niche down, like you said, the more mm-hmm. clear you can get about who you are and what you offer. Yep. And honestly, the faster you'll grow. I keep using a couple of people as an example of this. So do you follow Phil's my pharmacist? No. Oh my gosh. I love I love Phil and he's been on our podcast, but he is just, he's a pharmacist who was like, I'm just going to share pharmacy hacks. So that's all he does. And when people find his account, it's so clear that that's who he is and what he does. And it's like, if you have a headache or your kid has, you need to give them like allergy medication or whatever. He was like breaking down the three different types of allergy medications for kids and what's better, what tastes better, what works better, what's going to dry them out, what's going to keep them up at night. And like, That's all he does. So you know he is the go-to and he's grown super fast over the course of like less than a year that I've been following him because he is so specific. And so I think there's a real lesson no matter what you're doing, if you're in theater or if you're in photography or you're a pharmacist or whatever, if you can get really clear about this is who I am and what I do, people will understand so much easier how to follow you and what you're doing or come to you for that go-to thing. So I love that you're teaching that and talking about that because even for me, I've had such a hard time narrowing it down. We're getting a little bit better at it, but it is hard because I think everyone feels like, but there's so much to me, but I have so much to offer, but I'm so complex. And it's like, well, that's great. You and everyone else, but you need to figure out what you offer so that people know where to go when they need you. Exactly. Well, so. I feel like it's counterintuitive, right? You feel like mm-hmm. I need to do more so that anyone can come to me. Yeah. And when you really just speak to one specific type of person, you're mm-hmm. going to find all of those people who are your favorite type of people to work with. You're going to yeah. find all of those in places that you didn't know, especially with online marketing and business. Like, you will yeah. find so many more. I, I used to think there's no way that many people in Utah need headshots. And I just <laughs> die thinking about that thought because I'm like, yes, I obviously know there are actors who need headshots, but headshots are everything. I mean, yeah. you, you I went to look for a chiropractor for my baby the other day. And like, I'm literally just looking at pictures. I'm like realizing I'm looking at like websites and like how well they're made and whatever, but mm. I like want to see the person that's going to work on my child. Right. Yeah. So headshots and like having a good one, that's not, Hey, a selfie by in my car or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is, it, it sets you apart from everyone else. And if you can really communicate in your headshot, what you're about in one little, then you're going to rock the online world. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. That is so true. Okay. We needed like tiptoe back a little bit to where you just 
like glided over the fact that you were a Disney princess. Can we talk? Are you allowed to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Yes. Cause I can, I can imagine that that would probably also be a very competitive space to work in. I'm just imagining. Yeah. yeah so I'm, yeah, go ahead. What was that like? How did you get into it? And then what was the experience like doing that for, you said a couple of years, right? Yeah. So I graduated from college and Disney auditions, they actually visit specific cities like every usually, I mean, back in the day, back like nine years ago, they would do auditions twice a year for their college program. And so I remember seeing stuff about this at my college and being like, I would love to do that. But like, I got to finish my degree first. Always been a huge Disney fan and Mm -hmm. never, never thought that could be my life. But I saw these auditions were happening. So it led me to disneyauditions.com where I was able to like see all the things that were offered and the thing like specific stuff that they were looking for. The thing about Disney is that they're very specific, like as far as height requirements and the shape of your nose and all this stuff. Not that they list these things, but as far as like height goes, they definitely list this stuff. So you're like, okay, I I think that's kind of what I, what I'm kind of what they're looking for. And I have nothing going on and I would love a job that is in entertainment that has insurance. I was like, sure. Mm -hmm. So I remember submitting a headshot again, importance of headshot. Yes. Um, to their website. And then I went to an audition in person as well in Utah. Didn't hear back for forever, like months. And what did you do at the audition? You were singing or dancing or what? It's so random, but they have the the first thing they do is they line you up, they test your height, they get your height down. And then they have you go through, I think it was two cuts of things. So the first one was like a big animation exercise. So they had you choose a character like from the, the famous, I don't know, Disney five, the the Mm -hmm. VIPs. So they had you like choose from Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, Donald, Daisy. And they said, okay, choose one of those characters. And then I want you to create a scenario. And they gave you kind of like a season and they were like, winter wonderland is your season. And I want you to take this character, embody it. And I want you to do something in a winter wonderland that is easily recognizable, no words. And I want to see how well you tell this story. So I believe if I can remember, I chose Minnie Mouse because I thought that's the easiest one. I'm not going to try to go and be goofy or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I think I'm going to go with Minnie with my body type and what I I exude the bubbliness and whatever. And I think that she was decorating a Christmas tree. And I opened up a present at one point and got all surprised. And I think I blew Mickey a kiss, something like that. So it had a beginning, a middle and an end. You created a little story and had a pantomime and all. And then from there, they made cuts and said, okay, these people can stay. And I made that cut. And then they went on to parade dancing and they taught you I think it was about 32 bars of music where mm-hmm. they taught you, you know, it's like marching and armography. Yes, this is an actual term. Armography. armography wow. Um, where it, imagine if you were watching a Disney parade, one of those people walking by, um, how they would, and, and you really just had to exude the Disney smile and personality and welcoming of all of that. So from mm-hmm. there, I believe they kept a couple people to try on stuff. Um, This is what usually happens, but this did not happen in this audition. But from what I've heard, this is what happens. So I believe from there, I I was cut. So I was like, oh, maybe it didn't work out. But, you know, I could still be considered for parades and entertainment, that kind of thing. But as Mm -hmm. far as princesses go, I was kind of like, I think I'm out of that. Anyway, I heard back a few months later and it was an email saying, hey, 
we are considering you. And for the, if any kids are listening to this, I'll use the term friends with Ariel. Um, we are considering you to be friends with Ariel. They had a couple different phrases for me to, to look over and mm-hmm. they needed specific pictures. So they needed a picture of me front and then to the side, and they needed pictures of my stomach front and to the side. And they needed me to read the lines as Ariel. From there, this was apparently their first like audition that they did completely electronically. So they used to oh. do everything. So after those, those in-person auditions, they would take people back and have them actually try on wigs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my experience, I didn't get that in-person call, which I mentioned just because Disney is a huge company and you may not get it in your first audition, but during yeah. the exact same time with the exact same casting directors, I got in digitally. <laughs> So mm, wow. I just want people to know that like, if you get a no, keep trying because you never yeah. know what their needs are at the specific time. And at this time, they were opening new Fantasyland in Disney World. I knew that they were opening an expanded grotto and a meet and greet for Ariel. So they needed mm-hmm. a bunch of Ariels. So that worked out really nice for me. Anyway, yeah. so I sent in this video. I sent in these pictures. I didn't hear back for a while. And then right around Christmas time, I heard back. And it was like, awesome. It was like, oh my gosh, my dreams are coming true. I'm going to move across the country. And at this time, my husband didn't have a job in Florida. We were looking at that Disney auditions page and going, oh, well, there's auditions every, every week there. So we'll just go down. He's an entertainer as well. And we'll just see what happens. And I think it took him about six weeks to get a job after we moved. So I had started all my training. I was going in and he was just auditioning every week. And then he finally made it super far as a puppeteer. So he did puppeteering and all of the parades and a lot of your big furry friends. So he was friends with Goofy and Darth Vader and Sweetums, the Muppets character and Woody, all those kinds of things. So wow, super fun. We did it for a couple years and we were beat. We were done. We were like the theme park life is hard. Yeah, (laughs) I can imagine. uh, Yeah. And then I had my first baby out there. And so it was like, let's let's go home and get a little more support. And yeah, the lifestyle wasn't sustainable for us, but so glad we did it. We only wanted to do it so that our kids would know we were cool at one point, (laughs) you know, (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah. So what do you feel like were some of the biggest lessons that you learned through that experience? I've been thinking a lot about that, actually. I've had the opportunity to to talk to a lot of people who've worked there and were in the Princess community. And it's been really interesting to see kind of the the fallout of of being in that role. It's -hmm. something that you can't openly talk about. You sign stuff that makes sure that the magic stays alive and just the specific um, physical requirements and things like that was mm-hmm. something that I wasn't super aware of how it would affect me later in life as I age mm-hmm. and as I grow and have kids. It's really interesting. There is actually a huge community on Facebook of it's called the Princess Protection Program, oh. <laughs> and where we all get to talk about kind of just getting used to our faces without makeup on and yeah. making and and just like making sure that you're keeping a, a healthy body image now that things are changing and things are are morphing. I think the biggest thing I learned from being out there is that your worth is is not dependent on your physical appearance and being in a job where that that was the requirement, that was the that that was how I got the job. It was off of a headshot, you know. It was it, it kind of sent the wrong message to my brain a little bit. I think 
the biggest thing. And it does go into the theater world and it does go into the photography world as well. But just that our, our worth, it doesn't fluctuate. And just because you don't have that little extra pixie dust magic in your life anymore, and that's not your life anymore, it doesn't mean that that is detracting from you at all. You are the magic. You yourself, stripped from all the things, you are the magic and you are always worthy of love and of praise. And yeah, it was really interesting to try to to put into words. I'm sorry if I'm being really bumbly about it, but... No, no, no. It's yeah. This is so helpful. It's really good. And I think so relatable too for so many people who have any type of role where they're physically being seen or looked at. I mean, mm-hmm. anything from, like you said, it's a little bit more obvious in a theater or entertainment community, but even my husband and I have even yes. talked about how he was in medical device cells for years and you kind of age out. You get to a point where they're like, Interesting. okay, you're like, now we're going to move back down to the like younger, hotter guys. And you've kind of aged out of this. I mean, yeah. it's not just one industry. It's so very many that I think it's something that a lot of, and obviously for me, like an influencer. Yep. Like taking pictures of myself in clothes and in swimsuits and workout clothes and things where it's like my body and my physical appearance is on display all the time. And that is like that in turn feeds our family. It Mm -hmm. is a really weird thing to deal with as far as trying to separate who you are and what your worth is, like you're saying. And those variables that determine whether you're getting the job or whether you're booking certain clients or whatever. It's, it is just a really interesting thing. What is your advice to someone who is like in that phase of life and they're going to maybe soon shift into something else? It would be to work on it every day. I think at the time when I was living in that world, it really did not hit me. I I always Mm. remember thinking, man, I just, I just, I guess I'm, I'm not really struggling with my self-confidence as I see a lot of, of women here doing. And I remember just thinking, wow, that, that would be really hard to be that. And, and feeling a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy and being like, wow, I, I, I wonder what that would be like as Disney princesses would age out. That's what the mm. technical term is. And now that we're here, I'm like, so I'm just thinking I was so naive. I didn't, I never thought this is inevitable for literally everyone. We are mm. all aging and it's beautiful. Um, so I would say to anyone that is in a job, like that, that is really scrutinized mm. is to work on that. If have you ever read the book More Than a Body? No. Okay. I'm going to, I'll send you a copy because seriously, it has been life-changing. I just finished my second round of it, but it is from these two women. They're twins. So they were constantly compared uh, growing up mm. by their physical appearance. Like, oh, mm. well, Lexi's the one with with longer hair and this one is bigger and this one has a mole and this one. Mm. So the people could tell them apart. It made them very curious about this aspect of life, of of being objectified. And they got their PhDs in it and wrote this incredible book. And it really, like, I mean, I feel the spirit when I read it. Like, they're doing the Lord's work. I'm not lying. Yeah. They're, no, um, is this um, Beauty Redefined? 
Yes, that, okay. that Instagram I've heard page. of their, yes. I've heard of their, I know of their account. So that's yes. so cool that they wrote a book. Their big catchphrase is your body is not an ornament. So it's all about understanding that your body is for doing things. We're here yeah. to do and to act and to be involved and to go swimming with our kids and to play and not to be pretty. And yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. And you realize how ingrained it is in our, in our lives as women, especially mm-hmm. men deal with this as well, as you were talking about Neil and my husband, Addison deals with it too. But for them, yeah. it's more about gaining muscle and making sure your <laughs> that dad bod is staying trim. And for women, it's skinny. It's like being slender and soft and all these things that are, are naturally not going to happen for us. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the biggest thing is just to be working on it every day and to be aware that like, we're all on this path together. And this isn't something where someone's ahead of another person necessarily. We're all going, we're all down that same river and that it's, it's a beautiful journey. And then we're all meant to be doing stuff, not just looking in the mirror. I love that. And it's, it is so wise. And, and I wonder too, what your thoughts are on people who embrace change and embrace age and embrace like the the season that they're in because I see a lot of people do that. Okay, for example, I was really surprised when we were watching the Christmas parade at Disneyland and there were all of the they look like ice skaters but they're on roller skates. Yes, uh-huh. And they're like the I don't even know what you call them, but they're ice capating down this down main street and most of them looked like they could be my mom like they were yeah older ladies that I was like wow that's really cool that there's a place for them to perform too if that's yeah. their passion if that's their love yes so do you have any thoughts on that because I imagine that that's also part of staying in your passion in a way that can continue on yes so am I making sense absolutely absolutely one of my favorite experiences in Disney was a woman named Joanne and she was friends with the fairy godmother and she was the most magical person human being that I'd Mm -hmm. ever met like as I transitioned from mermaid life and I got pregnant and I transitioned Mm -hmm. to I was an attendant for the characters I Mm -hmm. had a lot of opportunity to work with the the step family from Cinderella and Mm -hmm. with the fairy godmother they all had a the similar a similar break room that was like one of my very favorite times working there because the pressure was off. I, I was, I was really pregnant. So the pressure was off to, to look good. And I was just there to have fun and to help people. I remember talking to this woman and it was really cool to watch her backstage. She, her, the really cool part of her story is that she had been there since the park opened in the 1970s. Wow. And she transitioned from friends with Snow White all the way through to fairy godmother and has been there for decades and wow the most magical so her stories and her ability to just keep that magic alive even when uh corporate life was felt like you were just a number in a computer sometimes was Mm -hmm. really inspiring I say this because I feel like her ability to realize that every stage of your life has a part and a role and Mm -hmm. it's just about letting go of what you thought was the dream and what was the the pinnacle and knowing mm-hmm. that all of it is is it's not this one huge mountain that we're climbing up it's valleys and and peaks and that they're all times to look back and see the amazing things you've done but then also to look forward 
And that's something that like I've learned a lot from this Princess Protection Facebook group is that, yeah, yeah, like that we all have, uh, everyone is doing incredible things with their life. They went on to do amazing things. And that this one magical, cool thing that is an awesome conversation starter that everyone wants to talk to you about isn't mm-hmm. the pinnacle. It's I, yeah. since then I've worked on this business and I've built this business from the ground up. My photography studio is, is it's a huge achievement. My children are like the best golden, amazing things I have. And that, yeah, that this is not this one huge mountain in your life. There are peaks and valleys everywhere. And there's so much time to, and seasons to be in different strengths of your life. I love that so much. Yeah. Okay. So last night, as I was scrolling Instagram late at night, reading some Insta stories, yes, I I saw this. You posted this. I just feel like the Utah performing community is feeling toxic lately. Anyone else feel that? I would love to put some goodness and encouragement out there. Theater is the best and the worst thing in the world. On top of the world, one minute and feeling like literal garbage the next. It feels like we need to be reminded of how incredible and supportive our community is. This is so relatable for not just the theater community, but it also can be that way living your life on social media and living as an influencer. So, but I want to hear why, what inspired you to say that and what your feelings are and what this goodness is that you want to see infused into the theater community. I love it. I'm glad that it's relatable because I I did feel a little, I don't know, a little emo writing it being like, no, listen, no, but I do. I mean, I'm very involved in the theater community in Utah and I take photos of a lot of people who are in the community. And so I hear a lot of things and I, I, there's just been a shift. I think a lot of it has to do with COVID. COVID Mm. put a lot of people in a scarcity mentality. There were way fewer jobs to be had. There was less money there's less opportunities for people. And I feel like that has permeated through the past few years as it has with everything, you know, supply chains and everything. And I feel like it's, I've lived too long in it. I've lived too long in this scarcity mentality. The hardest part about being in theater is that you work on your skills and you have Mm -hmm. these you're, you're constantly taking voice lessons, taking tap lessons, doing what you need to do to, to stay up on, being castable. And then you go out for these shows and you have zero control. It's not like a job where you're working your way up and you're climbing that ladder. It's every audition, you're kind of starting over. And yes, you can build relationships with certain theaters. You can definitely like, they know me, so this should work out, you know, but Mm -hmm. there's no guarantees and you never know uh, who's going to show up and and what opportunities are not going to work out for you. So we're constantly gambling on these these opportunities. So I think in this scarcity, it is so important to remember, like I was saying with the princess stuff, that our worth is not fluctuating, even though the jobs are, and that our worth remains constant and that the work that we're doing isn't about the jobs that we're booking. It's about the preparation and the people that we're becoming for that backstage community, not necessarily what we're putting out on the stage, what people see. That's the baseline, that the show's going to go on, that you're going to sing the notes that are written. The, the variables are who you are as a person and what you're bringing to that backstage community when you're sitting in the green room, in the break room, trying to build relationships with people and all of that. 
And that I think if we have a little bit more focus on becoming those incredible humans, we become more castable. Hmm. But that if we focus on becoming more castable, that the other stuff will go fall by the wayside and we actually won't leave an impression. It's such a loaded question, but I think that's the basis of it is that the actual work that we need to be doing and that we need to be focusing on is who we are and and what we can bring to a cast rather than, hey, I have these skills for the show and this will make me a sharp competitor against all of these variables that I can't control. That's a helpless and like really hard, hard way to live. And I feel like I've been living there for a couple of years and I feel like a lot of us have. And yeah. it's time to to let it go <laughs> and to know that the world is huge and that there are abundant opportunities everywhere we go. And like in the film community here, which is incredible, by the way, I think a lot of people are used to seeing the, the theater, you know, we've got the big Hale Center theater and the community theaters that are around. I think Utah loves theater, which is great. Yeah. But they don't get to see the film community as much. And the film community is thriving in Utah. Kevin Costner just signed and got all this approval to film 20 films here. There's tons of opportunity here for really big, awesome experiences. And those are just, those are just going to keep coming. There's not this scarcity and yeah, I so I think that that is my message today. <laughs> my bumbly message all over the place is to really embody who you need to be inside rather than worrying so much about what you're bringing to the table outside in order to fit a mold. Exactly. Yes? And I feel okay. like you will become a more interesting and watchable person because mm-hmm. you are being a human being first and a performer second because If we are being honest, everything that we want to see in movies and in theater is people being people. We don't want to see entertainment. We, I mean, we do, but we want to see real (laughs) human emotions. We want to see real people just being people. I don't know if you got to see the last Thor movie. Did you? No, I'm not really up on my (laughs) Marvel movies. That's totally fine. (laughs) But you know how Thor comes off, right? Like he's like Thor, God of Thunder. And um, what I loved about this last movie and about the the one right before that is that they really focused on bringing humanity and humor to these movies. And it makes it so much more entertaining and so much more relatable rather than the first Thor movie that came out was gods and things that you just can't relate to. I mean, so it was really beautiful to see that they figured that out and they figured out that people just want to watch other people being human. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so true. And like I keep saying over and over, relatable for not just a theater or film industry, but just for everyone. I think that so often, whether you're trying to be a cheerleader or be on a team or you're trying to date someone or whatever, worrying about fitting a mold and looking a certain way is always going to hold you back from being the actual great person that's underneath that insecurity yes. of trying to look or act or be a certain thing for someone that you think they want when really yeah. the best version of you is yourself. Exactly. And I think we'll never know what people want. We always say that, mm-hmm. right? Well, I just, I just didn't know what they wanted when we go out for auditions or, or when you post something, be like, oh, people just didn't like that. People just didn't, we can never guess. We'll never be able to keep on top of that. So 
why not just do what we want and what we feel inspired and called to do and look within rather than look out and try to figure out what what we're doing. It'll never work that way. It'll never go the same. Like it will just become an untrue version of yourself and separate you from people and become unattainable rather than we have everything we need right where we are. I love that. Yeah. What do you feel like you want your kids to know having parents who both are entertainers and have had these really cool careers and done, like you said, done things to show them like we're cool. (laughs) What are some of the things that you're trying to teach them or that you want to teach them in the future? Oh, that's such a hard question. Okay. So I have three kids, two boys and one girl. I feel like the biggest thing. So my, my son is eight and with two feedery parents, I guess we've always thought our kids are going to be into it too. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And like, absolutely not. Like my eight-year-old came how he came and he does not like costumes. He does not like performing. He's not like dancing. He loves music, but he likes playing music. He doesn't really like singing it, you know? And so, so, so different from us. And it's so beautiful and so fun to see. And I guess the biggest thing that I want him to know is just that like, you're, you, you can do everything that you want to do and you don't have to please your parents. You don't have to do what we expect of you because we're just, we're just along for the ride. We're just really excited to see what you do because it's so different from what we are. Our middle daughter, Poppy, she is the star, the center of the show. (laughs) She loves, she loves the limelight. And for her, I feel like the biggest thing, I mean, and it comes with raising girls, as I know, you know, like It's just that, yeah, you are inherently worthy of everything that you are already there. You already enough. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to put on makeup. You don't have to wear the princess dresses. She loves the princess dresses. She (laughs) loves the makeup. I have one of those too. Yes, she loves it. She's my second daughter. And I just tell her, that is so fun. That is so fun. It's a fun Mm -hmm. thing to do, but you don't have to do it to, to leave the house. You don't have to do it to impress your friends. If you like doing it and it's fun, then great. I feel awesome about that. But it's nothing that you have to do to qualify for love. Nothing. You don't have to do it for a boy. You don't have to do it for your friends. Uh, If it's fun, then it's fun. And my little Georgie, we are just falling in love with him so much more every day. He's 10 months now and Mm. he is just all over the place and a go-getter. And I think the biggest thing for him that we want him to know is that he, (laughs) he can do anything he wants. He's always been a fighter and he's always been so rambunctious and he, out of all of our kids, like he will get things done and he is on this earth to do really big things. And I'm really excited to see what that is. And when I say big things, it doesn't mean like he's going to be president or something. I mean, <laughs> he's going to to affect people and to help them be better versions of themselves. Yeah. Anyway, oh, just a love I letter love to kids. But yeah, yes. man, it's it's been a really interesting ride for them with two actor parents. I feel like our lives are so up and down and they have been champs through the roller coaster. Because, you know, our lives don't look the same from day to day. I just started rehearsals for a show 
yesterday and we all kind of sat down and went, oh my gosh, here we go. I haven't jumped back into a show since George was born. So it's been a couple of years and I really don't know what it's like doing a show with three kids and owning a business. And uh, I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous about it. But I think that it's really important for them to see their parents doing things that they love and that light them up because we want them to be able to fight for their dreams and to not lose themselves in what they think people need from them. So I'm excited for them to see me and just to go, look, if mom can do hard, scary things, so can I. That is a beautiful message. I love that. Okay. I have one last question for you. If there's one message that you want the people listening to this interview to remember, what do you want that one message to be? Okay. Through all the crazy things that we've been doing and all the things that we've been juggling to try to make this artist life work, the really amazing thing that I think is that this is going to sound bad. Uh, God doesn't care what you do. Um, he cares who you're becoming. If we are feeling called to do something and it doesn't quite make sense to us. I remember telling my parents, hey, I'm going to marry an actor. And it didn't go super well. And I think it's taken uh, you know, a few years for them to go, oh my gosh, their business is, is going, it's they're, they're thriving. They're not just surviving. And it's because we've been open to the call and being open to things that may not make sense financially, Mm -hmm. but that we know we're in the environment and around the people that we're supposed to be around. So the things that you think, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. The Lord couldn't possibly want me to be there. I can't make money. I can't support my family. I can't whatever. Um, just be open to it because magical things will happen and the Lord takes care of it all. He has a plan and he just needs you to be around the people you need to be with. I couldn't agree more. I love everything that you said. And it was such a gift to spend this time with you and just feel of your love and your personality and your all of your gifts that you have to just, yes. I'm honored. To really see, yeah, to see life really through the lens of what we're really here for and who people really are underneath all of it. So thank Um, you for sharing that. Where can people find you, Brie, if they want to follow you, get headshots from you, listen to your podcast, all those things. Absolutely. Okay. So you can find me on the internet at pepperfoxphoto.com. That's like exactly how it sounds. Pepperfoxphoto. You can find me on Instagram, pepperfoxphoto. And yeah, like we can take pictures. You can come yes. see me perform if you want. I'm going to be at Hale Center Theater in Sandy um, performing Lucky Stiff this fall. And I can't wait for that. So come and see the shows. Come and get headshots uh, or yes. just follow along on the journey. And then what's your podcast called? Yes, it's called the Pepper Fox Podcast. Okay. And it'll be airing soon. And you can, listen to, old, you can listen to old episodes yeah. for now and yes. then wait anxiously for the new ones to come out Woohoo! so exciting thank you again so much Brie for everything you shared today of course thank you for having me thanks so much for listening to mint arrow messages make sure you follow us on instagram at mint arrow subscribe to our apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us and to get show notes go to mintarrow.com slash podcast and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode Music